talk this morning about a faith of your own. And in Genesis chapter 13, if you'll read along with me, uh, I'll read, you can, not vo vocally. <laughs> okay, then Abram, who becomes Abraham, went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and lot with him to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold, at all because of what had happened in chapter 12. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel, which means house of God, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar, which he had made there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Lot also who went with him, with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them, that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. And if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go toward Zoar. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terrain of the trees in Mamre, Mamre, which are in Hebron, and notice, and built an altar there to the Lord. So, Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray, Holy Spirit, you would come and the things that I prepared, please break them fresh, feed us, we're hungry. We know, Lord, that we need to hear, but not only hear, to hear under, to surrender once again our hearts and our minds, our very lives, to your commandments, to your truth, that we might be transformed, that, Lord, our faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, that in doing it, we're continuing to dig deeper in knowing you, loving you, walking with you, and serving you. So, Lord, please, Holy Spirit, come. We're also praying as believers in the room for anyone here that doesn't know Jesus. We are praying, Lord, you desire, you, you desire that no one should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We know, Lord, you want to speak to them. You're not willing that any should perish. You love them, Lord. You sent Jesus to demonstrate to all of us how much you love us and what you were willing to do in order to bring us into a relationship with yourself. So we understand, Lord, there's a, a spiritual battle that goes on. And we want to ask, Lord, that you would overcome any of the obstacles and bring maybe one or two people, maybe three, whatever. Bring them to you this morning, Lord. Draw them to yourself and save them from their sin and grant to them the fullness of your Holy Spirit in new creations in Christ. And so shall they ever be with the Lord. Bless now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. You can be seated. 
we began the year of 2019 sensing the Lord calling us to simplify. And I'm noticing as this word continues to resonate in my heart that the simplicity of simplify is this. Just simply keep Jesus at the center of everything that we do and all that we are. Can you hear an amen? Just simply keep Jesus centered in all that I am and all that I do. I've come to love going on walks. Now, I don't know if you guys like to walk, but I, I've been about a year now. I've, each week I walk several miles, and I have different routes that I take depending on where I am. But I never take, in my routes, I always come back to where I started. So if it's CCS, I go and walk, and then I'm back where I started. If I'm down in Texas visiting my son and, his, and our grandkids, I walk down there and I come back to where I started. So it's, circuit, it's a circuit that I take. I'm not looking to really get anywhere except to get out and get my mind in a place where I can rest and be renewed. So the benefit is, first of all, it doesn't hurt my joints. Can you hear an Amen. <laughs> But when I walk, it clears my head. In many ways, it cleanses my heart. It renews my mind. It's just a great thing that I read about in a book and I began to do. It strengthens my heart and it adds to my lung capacity. Also, in conversation, if I'm walking with someone, I don't run out of breath. I don't start grasping for breath because I'm running. I can actually carry a conversation on with someone I'm talking with. It slows me down. I begin to see things that I can as I have never seen them or that I never saw before, as I just slow down and walk. And as I carry on conversations, usually I'm by myself, so it's without distraction, and I can just talk to Jesus. I do most of the talking, and I find Jesus a really good listener. But in the course of time, it begins to be more of a dual conversation as I just go out and walk and meditate on his word as I do. Now, our relationship with God is called a walk. God said, walk according to my commandments. Walk in them. He said to Abram, when he's 99 years old, walk before me. I think that God is calling us to walk with him and take the pace down a couple notches to enjoy talking to him, to see things like we haven't seen them before, to have our hearts renewed, our minds refreshed, just walking with the Lord. We're to walk by faith and not by sight because we can't see God, and thus we, he is spirit. And thus, this whole area is an area that if you don't know Jesus Christ and have not been born again by the Spirit, then you don't know what I'm talking about. But as I prayed, I hope that maybe today you will begin to experience it. Life in the spiritual plane. We're exhorted to walk in the light. That doesn't mean to walk perfectly. It means to walk vulnerably and honestly. Let the light of God shine into your life and my life that we see it and see where we are for real. It's impossible... To walk with anyone if they're going in a different direction. Amos 3.3 says, how can two walk together unless they're agreed? God warns us not to walk contrary to him. So Martin Luther King put it this way. The only person to influence the direction and purpose of your life is the one who gave it. And that is God, unquote. Ephesians 5.15-18. through 18. See then that you walk circumspectly. That means get the big picture. Look around, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days, I would capitalize, are they are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which it is excess, but be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, the spiritual dimension of walking circumspectly, knowing the will of God. In other words, a faith of your own. 
This is how it comes. It's a walk with God. A faith of your own. Jesus first in your devotion. Jesus first in your direction. And Jesus first in trusting God fully. So three things I'll give you. The first one is this. Trusting God, a faith of your own, is in your own devotion. And this is what, we need to own it. No, it's not just going to happen. There needs to be an understanding that a faith of my own, I own this whole area. I must stay devoted to God. So let's read again. We're going to go through these verses again, one through four. Then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had. Remember, out of chapter 12. And Lot with him. Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. And he went on his journey. This whole season is called a journey. He went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel. That means the house of God. To the place where his tent had been at the beginning. He's coming back to the beginning between Bethel and Ai. To the place, notice, of the altar which, he had, which, had, been, which had made there. He made it there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. So look at verse 18, bracketing our chapter. Verse 18, then Abram moved his tent and went out and went and dwelt by the terrain of the trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron, notice, and built an altar there to the Lord. Listen, we all get derailed. We all get distracted. We all get dirty. I love this hymn. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I am constrained to be. Let that goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Lord, here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Brothers and sisters, we need to get back to the altar. We need to have regular time on our own with God at the altar. And wherever we go, there needs to be there another altar. Whatever our journey, wherever it takes us, where we have time and take time to be with God. To ask God to flood our minds and hearts with his word and his presence. To make time to worship and to pray and to give thanks. To make time to wait and to listen and to respond. To say day begin and day end. Day in and day out. Beginning and the end. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry out to the Lord in the psalm. We need to get back to the altar. And it's on you and it's on me. I must do that. You must do that. We need to take ownership of that, that need that we have, those disciplines that we need. In fact, the young adults right now are going through a series with Johnny on the spiritual disciplines. Sometimes we just need to get back to the beginning place when we first met God. He first called us to himself. 
Look, go to Genesis 12, verses 7 and 8. The Lord appeared to Abram, and there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. That's where he did it, right there. Verse 8, chapter 12. And he moved from there, and he pitched his tent there. He built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Wherever we are, we need to get back to the altar, back to a place where it's just me and God. I've built a place there to meet with him and pray to him and cry out to him. It's a place where I can just sit at the feet of Jesus and hear his word. A place where I come and I allow Jesus to wash my feet again. And that's what we need is to get back to the altar. Practically, for us as a church, God has put it on our hearts to make time, not add time, to our Sunday services. That we can respond to him in this short fragment of time that we have. We walk out those doors. And everything we just heard from God so quickly gets picked off. We get caught up again in the all too distracting and noisy world outside the doors. We no sooner leave and it's on to the next thing. It's almost like we just leave God. Now, why is it like this? Why do we keep allowing ourselves to be pushed around by things that are so unimportant in the scope of eternity? I say to you from my heart to you, and I believe our hearts unanimously, hold on a second. No, let me hold on about three or four minutes. Just put it on hold. Let's get back to this, to just even a micro segment of time to respond to God. Would you say amen? We have an 80-minute segment of time. Listen, every week has 10,080 minutes. We just want to take that little 80 minutes off the 10,000 and say, this is for you, God. And that's why you're here. That's why I'm here. To hear from you and respond to you. To take time to hear what God is saying. To respond to what he's speaking to my heart. Or pray for someone else. And so we're going to include this little bit more time at the end of our service to do just that. We did it last week. It'll be a time for God to minister to us. And yes, through us. I'm going to challenge you leaders. You come, you pray for people. Maybe someone else is praying for you. We're just going to interact just for, we're going to have two songs at the end to do just that. I'm going to have some leaders come forward. I've already asked them this morning just to come forward and stand. If you want prayer, you come. You come and pray. And maybe the prayer you have on your heart has nothing to do with the, with the message. That's okay. You need prayer? Please come. We so believe in prayer. And yet we're robbed so often from the busyness or the clock or the time's up. I say no. Time in for God. You can stay at your seat. You can come forward. Jesus will be the focus and the center of our attention. Can you hear an amen? Jesus will be the focus and the center of our attention. We never want to draw attention to ourselves, and we won't. We're a low-key family of faith with a deep longing to see Jesus walk among us, just as he did the churches in Revelation, and speak to our hearts. He has his own special ministry for us individually and as a church. He may prompt you to stand. He may prompt you to kneel. He may prompt you to lift your hands or to come forward, to pray alone or pray with someone else. 
may we just ask Jesus, what would you have me to do? How would you have me to respond? I need just a few minutes more to solidify something in my heart. Jesus may be meeting you in your confession or maybe in your celebration. He may be meeting you in your rejoicing. He may meet you in your mourning, but he wants to meet you. My simple request is this, that you would make every response time your own with Jesus. That you will put your phone in your pocket for just another few precious minutes. That you will simply respond to Jesus in worship and in prayer and in ministry during this time. So this morning, the word that God put on my heart is a faith of your own. So what about your devotion to God? You see, these are what he's speaking something to us maybe in that area. We want to respond to that. We want to say, Lord, I'm going to own that. Now, would you help me? What about your direction in life? You see, we're going to talk about that in the next thing. What about your direction? You see, there's something maybe there that you're needing to get back on course. Or maybe you're, you're great, but you realize there's things coming up, and my journey is going to be taking me because I'm not quite, whatever it might be, let's respond to him and say, Lord, that's, I'm going to take that. I'm going to own that this morning. Say, Lord, would you help me? Would you speak to me? Brother, would you pray for me? Sister, would you pray for me? And what about God's own faithfulness to you? Are you trusting him? Are you trusting Jesus for his promises to you? The covenant he's made with you through his, through his salvation that he, he, he has secured for us at the cross. Are you trusting God? So secondly, this whole of faith of your own, it's your own direction. Where are you heading? Now notice verse 5. Lot also who went with Abram had flocks and herds and tents. Now look at chapter 12, verse 4. So Abram had departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. So Lot's dad had died. This is Abram's nephew. And so Lot has been with Abram the whole journey, his nephew. Now, as I read the story, and we'll be getting this as we continue. We've got a little bit. It seems to me that Lot never came to fully appreciate Abram's walk with God until after he and Uncle Abram had separated. It was only after his bad choices It was only after his disaster that came upon him that Abram rescued him from. How true, I said to myself, how true. We often don't appreciate those faithful, no frills, family and friends who are just walking with God, walking the straight now, and they just want to help us do the same. And there are many in our lives, there are many right in this room with us today, to appreciate them. Like Lot, we don't often appreciate the people God puts in our lives until after. Maybe it's years. This is true of me with my mom and my dad. I never really appreciated just their faithfulness to God, the simplicity of their faith and their lives until after they were gone. How privileged I am to have had my mom and dad and to be with them. So I say here, brothers and sisters, Jesus, help us to appreciate one another. It does so much in the direction that we're heading. 
so much. Jesus, help us to appreciate the things that someone else brings into our lives, that rubs shoulders with. It does so much. Now, I want to give you a little personal update and testimony. Before this series, we did a three-part series on Sabbath. This God-created design for our work, rest rhythms. It's taking place in my own journey now. Through a, books that I was reading, it, it sort of drew me this whole thing. And so I've read, I'm on my 10th book now about Sabbath. This rhythm thing that God's given to us. A gift. And I believe that my family, and I believe our families, will be dramatically impacted in remembering the Sabbath. If nothing else, listen, if nothing else, we will begin to appreciate our families more. We'll begin to appreciate with our families God more. This past week, our, a week ago today, our family had our first Sabbath meal, if you will. I call it family meal. Now, I've been trying for months to get this thing going. Finally. Yes, we did it. Now, I'll tell you, it was a bit gawky, my word. It's like, because I've never done it before, and I didn't know what I was doing, but we did it. Yay! <laughs> it was short-lived. It was super fun. It wasn't this real spirit. I mean, it, it, it had the script. Look, I, okay, this is me, all right? I, I've been given several books, little pamphlets on this is what the Jewish Sabbath was like. I thought, I'm just going to make this my own. So I had a little acrostic. Sabbath. S-A-B-B-A-T-H. We started out by lighting the candles and in the Jewish thing, so I incorporated that. Usually the mom of the home lights the candles, so I brought three candles with these little silver candlesticks, and, and Rachel, my daughter-in-law, whose house we were at, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, so we lit the candles. We, then we read, start S, Scripture. So we read a few scriptures on God being the light of the world. A, then, S-A, is ask a question. So we ask a question, we also answer the question, and that comes different ones. Then we have BB, we do a blessing and then another blessing. Is this weird? <laughs> you can steal it if you'd like. <laughs> Just don't tell me if you think it's weird, okay? <laughs> so two blessings, then we ask another question, which leads us into T, Thanksgiving. So then we just thank, we go around, we just thank God for a certain thing. Now, you know what the H is? It's a happy meal. <laughs> we have a happy meal. <laughs> So my daughter this week, last week, she made a, this great little Mexican dinner for us. We sat around, and I want to tell you what happened. First of all, we turned off our phones, put them away, and we had just a great time talking God because we set the atmosphere. We started just talking, and there were some things that were talked about from my son. I was going, wow, that's awesome. It took about two hours. I want to tell you it was the best two hours of the whole week, no exaggeration. Fantastic. So I want to continue encouraging all of us, hey, somehow, someway, find time to appreciate your family with God. I think that should be happening here, but I'm talking on a personal level. Getting together with your family and including God intentionally in the conversation. Because we need, it's powerful, we need to know we appreciate one another. We need to know how much we appreciate God together. And re-upping that every week with one another. Now notice in verse 6, 
The lamb was not able to support them that they might dwell together. For their possessions were so great they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. Stock. <laughs> and the Canaanites and the Parasites then dwelt in the land. Listen. There are so many problems that come along with living in this world, this fallen world. One that comes up regularly is pride, greed, strife. Their riches, their need for land, along with the better part of the land already occupied by the Canaanites and the Perizzites. There wasn't room. It caused some serious family struggle, strife. It's like the Hatfields and the McCoys all over again. Notice verse 8. So Abram said to Lot, notice, please, please, let there be no strife between you and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from us. And I think that was probably difficult in some ways, as it always is, to separate from your family. If you take the left, then I'm going to go to the right. If you take the right, then I'm going to go to the left. Listen, Abram cared for his family deeply. He cared for Lot deeply. He said, please, we're brethren. Please separate. In other words, for Abraham, nothing was worth ruining family relationship. No thing, no amount of land, nothing. It was a time now to separate and Lot would now be on his own, have to leave and separate. Let me say this. Abram answered this strife with a demonstration of gentleness, of grace, and of tremendous generosity. That's how he answered. That was what he demonstrated to Lot. And so we also need, in us seeking direction, we need to be very generous and gentle and full of grace toward one another. We're brethren. Look at Proverbs 10, 12. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. Proverbs 13, 10. By pride comes nothing but strife. Notice, but with the well-advised, Abram was well-advised. Abram was a man who loved them. And thus he deals with strife accordingly. Proverbs 15, 1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Now notice verse 10, back in Genesis 13. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. Now notice this an ominous parenthesis. Before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, you go toward Zoar. So Lot is kind of drooling over the generosity of Abram. He's looking at it and saying, yeah, I get to choose? Now, he should have deferred to his uncle, really. But this is how Abram handled it. And there's this ominous parenthesis that continues into chapters, verses 12 and 13. Then Lot chose for himself of the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, notice, and pitched his tent even as far as where? Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. 
The difference is Lot chose for himself. That's always dangerous and many times becomes a problem. Abram trusted God in the choice of another. It's amazing. Abram trusted God in the choice of another. That could have really been coming against the promises God had made. But Abram trusted him. Abram didn't lift up his eyes until God told him to. Lot lifted up his eyes and he chose for himself. And as we will see, there is a clear progression in the direction that Lot was choosing for himself. It began in this, what we just read. So how did that progression? First of all, Lot's heart was leaning towards Sodom. He pitched his tent as far as Sodom. It has the whole thing, the direction that he began. It began with a desire in his own eyes to choose as he wanted to, and then his heart began to lean towards Sodom. Drawn towards Sodom. Now, Sodom is a picture of the world. That's what happened. That's where it began. Now, 1 John 2, 15, do not love the world or the things that are in the world. The world is a system that's opposed to God, an attitude that's opposed to God. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, that's our passions. The lust of our eyes, that's our possessions. And the pride of life, our position, notice, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. In other words, let God make your choices. Let God direct your decisions and your direction. So Lot begins his heart leaning towards Sodom. Then we read in chapter 14, verse 12, that Lot moved and began living in Sodom. He's now living there. Next, Lot became a leader in Sodom. He was sitting in the gates, which speaks of leadership. He's leading in Sodom. Doesn't stop there. Lot then would not leave Sodom. Now look at 2 Peter. And turning the cities of Sodom into ashes, condemned them to destruction, and delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. He, for some reason, he couldn't leave Sodom. He didn't leave. Now, we find that the Lord mercifully delivered Sodom, delivered Lot from Sodom. He had to drag him out, but he did. But here's the final one, number six. Lot lost his wife to the appeal of Sodom. That is so sad. She looked back. She longed back. Maybe that's why he stayed. We don't know. But this progression was devastating. So I say be careful because desires set direction. And direction set destination. And destination set destiny. So we need to own the direction that we're on right now and allow the light of of the Lord to help us to see your words, a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. There's God speaking to us and we're responding. Where am I and where am I going? The word says this is where you are. And as Jesus walked among the churches in Revelation, he told them where they were at. And sometimes, in fact, in many, it wasn't pretty. But his one word is the same way we need to repent. Turn around. You're going in the wrong direction. And if you'll do that, it'll be good. It'll be good. It'll be good. 
We need to let God set the direction. A faith of your own is your own direction. Walk carefully with God. Walk carefully in the world. Watch out for your desires. Let those leanings always lean you back into the heart and will of God. Not away from it. Defer those leanings of your heart to God. Defer to God to control your destiny or someone or something else certainly will. Finally, a faith of your own is God's own faithfulness. Can you hear an amen? I need to hear an amen. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is stuff, okay? God's own faithfulness. If he weren't faithful, we're sunk. If his promises aren't true, we're sunk. If his covenant isn't real, we're sunk. But God is faithful. And so we can walk courageously, right out of whatever direction may be the wrong direction. We can walk courageously in this world that is so filled with traps and temptations. Because God is faithful. Verse 14, the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now. And look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward, for all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants, for, notice, forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, that you're, that you're, then your descendants could also be numbered. Arise, here it is, walk. Walk in the land through it, length and width, for I give it to you. And then we read that final verse. He moved his tent, dwelt by the terameth trees of Mamre, which are in Hebrew, and there he built an altar there to the Lord. Lot chose for himself, Abram said, I'm going to leave it up to God. Lot chose for himself, God said, Abram said, I'm going to trust God for the choices that he's made and other people make. And sometimes that is the most difficult thing in the whole world. When it comes to your children and you see them making choices, you go, that can't be, that can't be. Oh, it is. And how can I trust God in the bad choices my children make? How does that work? I'll tell you how it works. God is faithful. He's faithful. He reiterates his covenant promise to Abram. And we need to hear again and again his promise, covenant promise to us. The Abrahamic covenant is foundation of God's complete plan of redemption. A couple other of these kinds of covenants that God made are two others. There's the Davidic covenant we find in 2 Samuel 7, where God made these unilateral, unconditional promises to David. He's furthering the Abrahamic covenant. He said, here's a little more detail. I'm going to raise up a king from your descendants. He's going to rule. And then we have the new covenant, Jeremiah 30 and 31. It comes up in the scriptures in the Old Testament of what God, adding a little more detail, a new covenant, a new covenant. You read the book of Hebrews, he covers this new covenant, that old one, which is the Mosaic covenant, which is different. It's not unilateral, it's not unconditional, the one covenant. That was with Israel. And we'll talk about more of this when we get to Genesis 15, because I'm so excited about it. It's awesome. But here's the deal. God's covenants could not be voided by the other party. God bound himself no matter what. 
And we have been given a covenant, this new covenant, through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for our sins. He was buried. He rose again for our justification. God's made this covenant unconditional, unilateral. He is faithful. Can I hear him? He is faithful. We need to come back to God's faithfulness. Always. Abraham went out not knowing where he was going, but I'll tell you what. He had no idea what God had planned for him through his seed. And it continues on, not just in his life, but from his life through all of the years since then and then into God's kingdom that he's going to establish. He's going to fulfill all those things he promised David. He had no idea what God had planned for him. And let me say this to you. God is faithful. You have no idea what he has laid out ahead for you. No idea. It's beyond our comprehension what he has for us. Christopher Columbus said this, you can never cross the ocean unless you have the courage to lose sight of the shore. Brothers and sisters, we're sailing to a city that has foundations of builder and maker is God. The shores of this world, we're, we're sailing. We've got to be courageous. Say, okay, we're going to leave that. We're going to take the ship. We're going to get on. We're on, all board. We're on board, God. And set the sail. It's not, it's not the direction of the wind that matters. It's how you set the sails that determines direction. We're going to set the sail and say, God, by your spirit, blow the sail and voyage me on to, the, to the, whatever you have for me in this life and in the life to come. I love what Francis Chan said, quote, God does not call us to be comfortable. He calls us to trust him so completely that we are unafraid to put ourselves in situations where we'll be in trouble if he doesn't come through, unquote. You see, walk courageously, trust God for his covenant promises. I could have the band come out because we want to go now to a time of response. What about your devotion to God? Have you owned it? Is there something there in your heart? I think of the church at Ephesus that was the church of love and not soon after Jesus had to say, you've lost your love. What about your devotion? You see, it's your journey. But listen, it's on the journey that you learn all about devotion and, and, and direction and trust. It's on the journey. And we're on this journey with Jesus. How do you need to respond about your own devotion to God? Have you owned it as yours? Were you willing to make some changes? See, the most important thing in this world is not so much where we stand, but what direction we're moving. Do you need to get back to the altar this morning? Say to God, I've missed you. I love this little story. I've told it before. I'll tell it again. I just told it to my son at the Sabbath dinner. This guy wrote a little book, Christ My, Christ my Heart, My Heart Christ Home, is what it's called. And he gives this little picture. He gets saved, and Jesus moves into his house. And so he's loving it. He's enjoying Jesus. Jesus is, he comes down in the morning, and as he comes down the stairs, there's a den right to the left, little door. He goes into the den every morning, shuts the door, and spends time with Jesus. Loves it. But then, as life got busier and busier, he comes down one morning, says, Jesus, sorry, man, I'm busy. I got to go, and out the door he goes. And that happens a couple times that week, and then the next week it's three days, and finally he's not even stopping in at all. He doesn't even mention it. He's just out the door. And then one day, he's at work, trouble and he's thinking i gotta i gotta talk to jesus i gotta be with him again it's just i just need to be with him and so he comes down the stairs the next morning hangs his head and walks in and said jesus i'm really sorry 
but I've really missed meeting with you. He said, I was really surprised to hear him say, I missed it too. See, that's the heart of God, that we would spend time with him for our sake. What about your direction? As we're just taking these couple songs, where are you heading? Maybe you're on a good course. I say, stay the course. Thank God for it. Ask him to continue to help you to see clearly the decisions that you're making that are leading to the directions that you're heading that will lead to a destination at some point. And if not change where needed, it's going to leave a destiny that you're not going to be wanting to leave. No matter how long you've traveled in the wrong direction, you can turn around. It's always the case. So maybe that for you this morning. Back to the altar for all of us. And ultimately, we just want to trust Jesus with all of this. Hi, I'm Kevin Day, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel South. I really hope you enjoyed the message and that God spoke to your heart through it. If you'd like to know more about our church and find other messages to watch, head over to ccskent.org. And I would love to meet you at one of our Sunday services. God bless you.